a lot of people can make a movie when they don't have skin in the game. It's it's a lot easier to walk away, but when you start putting in your money, the pressure, the anxiety, the tension, the stress, and everything else that goes into it um, financially plays a big factor. Uh, First of all, the Lawnmower 4.0. This trimmer is the future of grooming and, dare I say, the greatest ball trimmer ever. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code BEHAPPY at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code BEHAPPY. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. How long have you been? Um, everybody, we're just here with uh, Chris Beatty. Uh, he's a movie director out here in Hollywood. Um, but you're from? Originally from New Jersey, uh, Wayne, New Jersey. Grew up there. Uh, actually moved out to California for a very short period of time, uh, Hermosa Beach. Okay. Came back, um, lived in Manhattan. Uh, yeah, that whole party scene from about nine, eh, I say nineteen to twenty-four. Um, met my wife in two thousand four, and uh, she's a fucking sweetheart, dude. She's the best. She when we were out last night, I really appreciate the invite. By the way, yeah, we had awesome. so much fun, yeah. and I think one of my favorite parts about that what was that restaurant called. I keep forgetting it. Which one? The um, the really really nice one we were at. Uh, oh, with, y- Yamashiro. Yeah, Yamashiro. Yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. Party. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, we were having a good time there, but, like, the different people that are there and the different connections you make, like, I didn't realize yeah. what I was walking into. Yeah, and I'm crazy. like, what the fuck, yeah. you know? And yeah. I think it's really cool of what you have going on, why you're doing it, and I think it's also cool how long you've been working on this. Yeah. Um, but anyways, going back, his wife is a complete fucking sweetheart. She was so nice, down to hang out. Um, just easy to talk to, and I could kind of see where you guys gel a little bit there. Um, I mean, we're complete opposites. Uh, we actually went to high school together. She's a year younger than me. I was a sophomore. She was a freshman. She was um, coming in, and there was a lot of talk about this beautiful uh, girl, Jamie, coming in uh, to the freshman class, and then when I saw her, um, my heart dropped. I, I, I fell in love right then and there. I I was a lot different. Uh, I'd say I'm, a, I'm an introvert. I was, you know, I, I don't like to go up to people and spark a conversation. But I actually got her phone number. I called her. Uh, it rang about three times. She picks up and I hang up the phone. <laughs> uh, never said one word to her in high school. Two weeks later, she's dating the quarterback of the football team for the next six years, and that was my my one and only chance with her. Um, met her in 2004 at a uh, a film I made, um, uh, which just this raunchy teen comedy. Um, she didn't see the movie, thank God. Uh, I met her at the after party, and she came up to me. Never said one word to her in high school. Um, she was like way 
over ecstatic congratulate me and i brushed her away because i didn't think there was a chance in hell she was interested in me um i kind of got really nervous i mean those four years i was in manhattan i was dating women i was having fun i was living that lifestyle i I, you know, one bungalow eight opened up. That was a nightclub out there. I, I was um, there every night, all fucked up. Girls didn't bother me. I never thought I was getting married. And then when I saw her, my heart froze. And that never happens. And I'm like, what the fuck? I pushed her aside. The next day, I get a call from uh, a mutual friend of ours. And she he goes, uh, what the fuck? He goes, Jamie, uh, what happened? I go, what do you mean what happened? She's like, she's into you. And then my heart dropped again. And then fucking went out on a date, I think a month later, because she was going to Beirut, Lebanon, or she's Lebanese. Our date was in Manhattan. Um, I get there around four o'clock, start getting hammered because I'm too nervous to speak to her. My palms are sweating. <laughs> she gets there at seven and I'm like, 20 beers deep into this conversation uh, with myself on how I'm going to approach her and very, very nervous, very intimidating woman. Um, got really drunk, got high, threw up on her. That's love at first sight right there. She exits the cab. I'm trying to say something to her, but I'm so fucking smashed. I, I can't say anything. And I woke up in some girl's bathtub in Harlem and blacked out um called her the next day she didn't pick up knew the it was a catastrophe i said listen that's not me i don't even drink i don't even smoke weed um just give me one more chance and she called me back and that was the rest is history dude good for you though yeah. that's a wild story you threw up on her though that's threw, fucking great threw up. uh you probably still hear about that to this day she she was just like you were complete fucking mess um and i explained how intimidating she was and now we've we've been we've been great ever since as an introvert is that still something that's like prevalent for you today we're like 100 really I, I don't like the festivals i don't like doing uh um i like authenticity i like i like connecting with people um yeah but like, like a straight hardcore interview like this is we try to keep more casual yeah well, like, because I'd rather have it be, it's just me and you chopping it up, having yeah, a conversation. 100%. Yeah. Versus like, hey, here's like 10 questions and we've got five minutes, you know? I'm not, yeah, I'm not really into the whole promotion of the film. I'm not, I, I just, let, I lose myself writing. I, that's my escape. Um, that's where I want to be um, behind my keyboard. I, I want to create. Um, and that's where, that's where my bliss is, you know? Where's the what's the first one you what's the first movie film short film video whatever it might be that you wrote and created ever that was the the film that uh, Jamie came to the premiere for um, it was a raunchy teen comedy called salted nuts um, I hope nobody ever gets the privilege of watching that <laughs> I actually have some pretty famous people in there now that I was friends with that actually blew up um, Marco Margarita Laviva, uh, Genevieve Cortese, uh, some pretty pretty big actors now. Uh, but I shot that in two days. It's a feature. Um, it's a fucked up movie. It, it, it makes Jackass look like uh, it should be on 
the women's channel. <laughs> I love that. And I don't want anybody to see that. Uh, so when Jamie said she missed the screening at the Lincoln Center, um, I, I actually premiered that at the Lincoln Center in New York in front of 300 people. My grandmother flew up from Florida. She's wearing an evening gown, God rest her soul, and she saw that piece of shit movie. <laughs> and um, That's we had the worst reviews ever on that. And uh, yeah, I want to kind of bury that. Uh, in me, but that was more of a, a student type of type of deal. I was really young at the time when I made it. Um, completely different. Then I started producing movies and um, watching directors not do what I would have done. Um, I did a film with some pretty big actors that tanked because I read the film like Pulp Fiction and he shot it like it was uh, uh, for the Hallmark Channel. I Is that know. really hard to do? Like when you read a film, I mean, especially when you're not in the the role of like it's not your movie per se mm -hmm. right you're a part of it mm -hmm. but it, you know as far as say so goes you're not the one in yeah, charge at the end of the day it's the director and he's going to get the shots he wants he's going to dictate um to the actors how they things should be portrayed and i just hated every 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 minute of of, of some of the films i worked on and i said i'm not doing this ever again you know anything i do i'm going to direct and i'm going to be in charge of and that's just the way because i'm a control freak and i you could be the head producer on a film, and and uh, at the end of the day, it's the director's call. I mean, it's his vision. That's his, you know. So you have to respect that. Um, but I'm 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 planning on directing here on out and writing my own material. You know, so. We um, so for everybody to get a little background, uh, shout out Liv Johnson who hooked us up with Nick, who hooked us up with Chris and Paige and Judy, and um, so we appreciate those guys obviously and i think um when i met you as far as like timid goes you could tell you're an introvert right yeah. i'm usually pretty good at reading people but what i really really noticed about you is how passionate you are about things yeah. um like even with your wife when you talk about her right like i think it's really special that that's how you feel and like how well you remember the story and like i yeah. i find that to be like super interesting because I'm the same way. Yeah. I'm not an introvert, but as far as like the way I describe things, like is kind of like you. Um, so, anyways, I met Chris. He just um, directed the film BB. Okay, and um, you guys are still in film festivals right now. Um, so we'll get you guys a date on like release and all that good stuff. But um, it's so interesting to me to hear that you started writing this film in 2011. Yeah, I had an idea in, in 2011, and uh, it just escalated from that. Um, it was a much different um, idea, and, you know, things progressed. I mean, I, I have three kids. Um, I have I have uh, restaurants, uh, things like that. So, you know, doing doing film was never at the top of my, my list. I have other obligations. And then finally in 2019, when everything came together, I talked to my wife and said this is what I'm going to do full time and, and go full speed ahead I sold the other two restaurants I had um, and just want to give give everything I, I, I have because I believe in myself and I believe in my writing and um, you know I just see so much shit on TV and I'm like I, I can't I can't allow myself to be 85 years old with a cane and say fuck you didn't give what you wanted to do so you know here I am um, BB's an, an incredible film that I'm I'm proud of and it's fucking great performances all around and uh, I think we have something really special uh, with the film so you know 
I'd love for everyone to to see it, and I'm curious to see how we perform at this festival with the with the uh, with the judges, and we'll we'll know tomorrow. I think it's interesting too. Um, you know, you had a couple different options for um, the leading role here, yeah. and um, you went with you know you had celebrities, famous people that had auditioned, wanted the role, shit, almost booked for that at that point for the role, um, and then you went with somebody different and i fucking love that i what i love about that is that shows your passion yeah because it's not about fame notoriety at that point it's like that person will play this role perfectly and based on what you just said you really seem satisfied with what you got out of everybody um so just talk about that particular situation a little bit and then maybe the anxiety and stress if any that it put on you to to make that decision yeah no making making the film in general was was hard i'm one of the financiers um so when you have your own money in in a film over a million dollars um you know things start getting real really fucking fast um a lot of people can make a movie when they don't have skin in the game it's it's a lot easier to walk away but when you start putting in your money um things have to you know the the pressure the anxiety the tension the stress and everything else that goes into it um financially um you know plays a big factor uh we we actually got a pretty well-known actress she loved the script she fell in love with it um i was collaborating with her in march april may june and then we're supposed to shoot in july so four months of intense collaboration um deadline or i'm sorry the rap did did a headline uh, uh, on us um front page uh uh, you know well, that she was attached and this is grand and all that fun stuff and then less than two weeks later she I got a call from her agent uh, that she is not going to be a part of the film I never spoke to her again I never got a I'm sorry text or anything she just walked away for a studio project um, and that's the brutality of independent filmmaking is that there are no guarantees and um a lot can go wrong and do I blame her no um, you know if you're gonna be on a big-time studio television show that's 50 million people are gonna watch you know what you have to make a decision um, I think she made the wrong decision and I'll stand by that because I think this film would have blew her the fuck up and she's not an a-list actress she's right she's on the cusp but this film would have fucking showed her acting chops and I, I firmly believe she made the, the wrong decision uh, walking away that being said um, I was really depressed I mean because money was spent um, two weeks away less than two weeks away my head producer Glenn Trotner best man I ever met in this industry uh, was cool calm collective he said don't worry we'll get someone else she wasn't right for the role then um, called our casting director Stephanie Holbrook and said give me the 30 best female actresses in New York City New York locals that are hungry, that are fucking talented, that just never got their shot, and that's where I found Elizabeth Page. She was the second to last, um, second to last actress I saw doing the the read. I fell in love with her, called her up, gave her the part, without my casting director even knowing. I had a Zoom call with her, and she was in Minnesota, um, and I said, "Can you fly back tomorrow?" And she did. When she was en route to flying back I got a call from another agency that said this pretty damn close to A-list actress wants to be the lead in your film and I said you know what 
I'm not going to use her. I said, I'm going to go with Paige. And they all looked at me like I had three heads. Um, and I, I don't have any regrets on that. And um, everybody thought I was fucking crazy. How to, fucking cool does that feel to watch that movie and it, see that now and go, yeah. I fucking made the right choice. Yeah, I definitely made the right choice. I mean, listen, they'll tell you till they're blue in the fucking head that, uh, you know, yeah, you want to sell your movie and she would have helped us sell our movie, but she, I don't think she would have gave the performance that Paige gave. And Paige was so hungry and determined and the, you saw the fire in her eyes. You saw like she went above and beyond what anyone could have done for this. And she fucking killed it. I had people come to me after the screening uh, here at dances with films, um, crying, you know, and how real, uh, the film was and how hard it hit them and you know a few women came up to me literally bawling their eyes out um and that's that's all you can ask for uh you know i cried watching it again my wife was crying next to me and uh, a few people came up to me and they were just really it hit it hit, it hit home uh the mental illness and and people the, the struggles people have and they've everyone tries to mask their struggles and put on a a, a a face but you know I mean I tried to expose that and I think it I think it was successful and I have I have to be clear I have no regrets I, I wouldn't do anything any other way um, and I don't give a fuck like if the movie doesn't get the distribution deal it deserves I still have no regrets because what she gave in her performance is 20 times better than what I ever could have envisioned so I do feel pretty cool about it. So I think it's cool that you uh, talked about the mental illness part of things and incorporated that. Because for me, I've struggled with that quite a bit. Um, you know, drinking drugs, um, just just being depressed in general. You know, I've been on Lexapro before yeah. and, you know, all these different things. And I grew up in, you know, like a weird environment. I had like a supportive family, but they weren't like, I don't know. I love my family, but they weren't all that. You know, they they really didn't do a ton for me as far as making sure I was cool and yeah. um, making sure I was like mentally taking care of myself. And a lot of people don't understand that. And for me, for me, it uh, for me, it, it everything kind of changed. You know, after I went through a breakup, it was like I I lost everything. I broke down. I was like, it was like all those years of like childhood trauma and bullshit just like yeah. culminated into like one big breakdown. Yeah. And, um, you know, I, I tried to kill myself. A lot of my listeners know that. Uh, May 24th, 2022, I OD'd. I had, like, a uh, taken to a hospital, taken to a psych ward. And it wasn't even after that. It was it was only, like, probably a month after that where, like, things really started changing. I started doing the right thing. Um, but just so you had some background on me, um, but I want to know, like, how that's affected you personally, too. Yeah, I mean, um, so my, my background is uh... – interesting my dad left when i was uh two years old he moved to uh south florida um where is i used to live in south florida i used to live in boca raton i was in boca in the i see my dad in the summers for about two weeks and that was it um he was the cool you know Dude, Johnson. My dad lives in Boca, yeah. and he is the same. Fo- that's fucking yeah. hilarious. He's I was, the same way. I was in Boca when Glades Road was only one way each way. No Paul, shit. Paul really? Park one way each way, and 441 was two lanes each way. 
Um, I lived on um, US One and um, Lindell. It's I called, know, or like I know where you know, is. like Yamato, and yeah. <clears throat> like you know, just f- yeah. well, be farther north from Yamato. But yeah, yeah. yeah. My dad was there. Um, uh, my childhood. He left my mom when I was two. Um, saw him on the saw him, t- you know, two weeks out of the year. Um, you know, and every time I saw him, I was so happy and, and ecstatic. I mean, he took me to Caesar's Palace. Um, he told me I was going to Disneyland, me and my brother, and he, he flew us to Caesar's Palace. Uh, dropped us off at their little wet and wild park at 8 a.m. and picked us up at 9 p.m. And he was in the Baccarat table gambling hundreds of thousands of dollars. Um, I'll never forget one time um, I was in Caesar's Palace. I was a kid, maybe seven years old at the time. And uh, I sat down at this beautiful restaurant and he never showed up. And I, the waiter looked at me and he's like, I'm sorry, you know, what can we get you? And I had a strawberry shortcake and I ate that alone. Um, so these little memories of my, my father um, are, are what I, I remember. So, but it'll burn into you because like, even right. for me, I have the same kind, like my dad one time <clears throat> told me he was going to take me to a Cavs game, Cleveland Cavaliers game versus the Milwaukee Bucks. And, uh, what's funny about that is, um, on the Bucks was Teron Lou who used to coach yeah, the Cavs. And so, uh, I ended up doing Tyler's personal work for years down, you know, just as of, I mean, just recently like you know when he when he moved out of cleveland but i'll never forget my dad went as far in this lie to take me to the game because he sold the tickets for drugs take me to the game get me down there park and then go oh i don't have the tickets you know and it's like that kind of shit will just burn in you forever man to this day i think about that you know it it burns i mean um my dad uh lived a fast life he caught uh hiv in 1997 um his girlfriend of 20 years, whatever, how long they were together for when, you know, he met a woman after my mom, uh, they were with together for a while, quite a, quite time. She left him. Um, he lost everything he had. He lost my college funds. He lost, um, pretty much everything. He was, he had, a, he used to have a lot of money back in the day. And then, um, the, the one who would do the wrong thing, um, and caught the HIV. Um, I found out and broke, broke down, um, and then fucking moved back up to New Jersey and me and my brother, my brother was a saint because he would take care of him. We would pay for everything, his phones, his, so we kind of were the parents of him for the past 20 years. And then he passed away uh, last year um, of pancreatic cancer and along with the hepatitis C and the HIV and everything else. And, uh, did he have any regrets coming back later in life? He was miserable um, once he caught HIV, and um, he was a different person. So not saying he was a great guy, but before he caught that, he was like the life of the party, the fun. But again, you only saw your kid twice, two times out of the year. I mean, how, how great of a guy was he really, you know? Um, and then once he caught AIDS, he uh, HIV, he, um, he became very, very depressed, and it was a miserable 23 years until he passed away um i didn't hold a funeral for him um there was not many people there but um his ashes are still in my my closet and i don't know what to do with him um i just stare at him every every now and again uh 
I he has a lot of regrets. I, you know, a lot of shit. He's he he's you know never hit me, never did anything like that. Just told me one thing that I remember. I was six years old at, at the time. He goes, uh, "Son, I'm going to give you the advice that'll save you for the rest of your life." I go, "What is it, Dad?" Yeah, you know, and he goes, "Just remember this one thing, son." Just remember it came from me. I go, what? You know, I'm six years old, you know. Son, you got to eat the pussy. <laughs> <laughs> That's fucking great. And dude. I go, what the fuck? <laughs> and I'll never forget that. I mean, that's just some pretty. I bet damn, you the first time you eat pussy, you're just like, "Oh shit, damn!" Pretty damn good advice. <laughs> yeah, no, that's some great advice. But things you remember when you're six years old from him, yeah, I'll never forget that. That's interesting, though. You said you like you took your college phone stuff like that because my yeah. dad, we have this. My dad and I have the same name, and so when I was 18, um, in this, I actually have never said this on this pod, but um, I went to buy a car. And I found out that I was like 35 grand in debt. Well, I mean, I've never had a card, nothing. I'm like, man, what the fuck is going on here? And it turns out my dad was taking cards out my name when I was younger. So then I found out like, you know, my grandmother was like, you got all these bonds and stuff. He cashed all my bonds out. So like any head start I had was just never there. My first communion money, he took all of it. You know, like all that shit. And it takes a toll on you, and you don't. You might not realize it, but it does. You know, you know I, I think, like I said, this most recent breakdown, I more so realized it. But, like, I have the same, and I don't know if you do either, but, like, my relationship with my mom is um, she's just never satisfied. So, like, she kind of had a tendency to jump boyfriend to boyfriend to boyfriend. So I have, like, this – I always say this about myself. I have the mental – side of my mom the mental illness of my mom and i have the addictive personality of my father and with my mom she would like kind of jump boyfriend to boyfriend she's you know cheating on people and stuff like that pretty much every time and so um you know none of that helped me out none of that helped me out this helps me out when i get to pick somebody like and i really appreciate you opening up because for me to hear those things it's almost validation of like oh man i'm not alone no, you're right. Not alone. You're not alone. I so, mean, what was your like? What was it like with your with your mom then? Yeah. So my mom, uh, amazing human being, um, just just amazing. She's great, great mother. Um, she met uh, her uh, my stepdad uh, when I think when I was about five. Um, so he he raised us. Um, there was four of us all together. Uh, so me and my brother, and then he had two sons, and we all lived together. Um, but again, he didn't receive child support from his ex-wife and he didn't receive child support from from my father so he was kind of had a lot of pressure on him and um it was it was rough it was a rough upbringing for me um you know a lot of resentment towards him because i you know we we got our fair share of beatings and i i I got the the brunt of it me and his younger son who passed away my 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 stepbrother kevin um passed away uh in 2013 i found him dead in bed um his wife left him and he got involved with like heroin and stuff yeah but kevin was i was very close with him and you know and we 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 got it pretty hard you know growing up um and i just i feel like i was always a good i'm a good human being I'm, i'm a super dad with my three kids um they i just because i did everything that happened to me i do the opposite I don't know why. My yeah, wife, me too, dude. Me my too. My wife wonders why are you super dad and you know doing everything, but I I overcompensate with my three kids because I don't want you know getting the 
the beatings and all the other stuff. I'm not saying we didn't deserve what we deserve. There's four of us, um, but it, it was it was a, it was a very traumatic um, for me upbringing. I had some serious issues with some sexual things that happened to me uh, also, which um, fucked me up. Yeah, there's only so much therapy can do for you. I kind of internalized everything now and just mm -hmm. block it out and. And, um, but that's how I create, you know, I created BB. I took a lot of that and kind of get in the mind of someone who's, who's suffering. Um, but you know, I mean, it, it, did it make me stronger? Yeah. Am I a survivor? Yeah. I can, I can fucking put me anywhere. I'll, I'll find my way out and I'll, I'll succeed. You know, um, it definitely built my character and, 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 you know, I always question. I, I always, you know, as an introvert, whatever. I, I, I never felt worthy enough to be with my wife. Um, I always wondered what the fuck she was doing with me. It's never. It still it haunts me to this day. She graduated number one in her class at Penn. Um, <laughs> she was a big time. She ran Macy's. Um, she was a VP of Macy's at a very young age. Um, you know, making half a million dollars a year, traveling the world, and seeing all this. And I'm just like this fuck up loser, and. I always a beautiful person. Um, always wondered what the fuck she was doing with me. She is such a like. I mean, even I got to talked to her probably, probably a good ten minutes the other day, or and, and she's just like a fucking sweetheart, man. Superstar, superstar mom, superstar upbringing. Her father was amazing. Um, he passed away too, um, which really shook me because I you know would lean on him a lot. Um, he took me in as his son. You know, he always. They always treated me with respect. Her family's amazing. Um, but I always never felt good enough for her. Um, I still don't. Um, she deals with a lot of my shit. And, you know, I, I wish, you know, I could feel normal. I could never feel normal in life. I'll never feel normal. I always have this thing in my chest. I'm the same way. Is it? And then let me, before you say what it is, I got I to gotta ask you, is it like, I'm one of those people that when like things are going well, that freaks me out more than when they're going wrong. Yeah, I like misery. Yeah, me too. I don't like to feel good. Um, I, I, I get a, a weird sensation feeling at rock bottom. Um, it feels good. I don't know why. Um, but, yeah, I don't give a fuck about all this shit with the interviews and the festivals. And all yeah. That. I just don't care. I, mean, I don't care. Nothing really like numb I, I've been Jamie's been helping but I've, I've been numb to the, like the world for a long time and it um, it's hard you know and that's why I, I seek out connections with people intimate connections and they're few and far between um, but I'm in I'm in pain every day it's, it's tough man the world's the world's tough I wish my brain was rewired how my wife thinks and she sees things differently she's a half glass full and I, I never could get to that point and it's really fucking challenging for me to, to push through I've had some really bad experiences and um, you know it's just I'm, I'm hoping I get, somehow can get to that level where she is it's it's tough I mean <clears throat> even for me like I think glass half full is like I try to always show people glass half full you know and then um, but it doesn't mean it's always great yeah. You know, and like, just because I, I don't like bringing people down around me, but at the same time, like, 
with Judy and Paige about how like what delusional hope is or you know or delusional confidence yeah. and that's like kind of what I run on man is I just have like delusional confidence for like a lot of the things that I do and and stuff but like as far as like from a mental health standpoint and from my like mental illness <clears throat> and from what I deal with um I feel that so hard because I struggle in the in the exact same ways where like rock bottom is just a more comfortable feeling for me and I even yeah, said it's this weird. it's weird that you say that you bring that up um you know being at rock bottom always felt natural yeah um but i i mask i mask it it's hard when you have three kids and you have to put on a front and and make sure that they're being taken care of and giving them the opportunities i never had i don't want people to experience what i felt and you look at my wife and how great she had her upbringing um that's what that's what's important and that's all i can you know if i if i succeed with these three kids i did my job in life and that's yeah that's my focus i fucking love that i so i'm a i'm a parent you know i have a seven-year-old yeah and i feel the exact same way because i feel like i was done wrong in so many ways and like because you seem to be the same as me where we just learned what not to do yeah well there's some people that go the opposite and then it's a cycle it's yeah it's a terrible cycle it's usually how that happens um where you will wind up like how your dad was or whatever and you know beat your kids and you know degrade them and do you know the sexual molestation bullshit and i'm I'm so guarded on my kids and my daughter especially um i believe it especially nowadays man i don't fucking trust anybody i mean you never know what somebody's thing you never know if you open their laptop what what you're gonna see or so i'm very guarded with my kids um you know, and I kind of, you know, no sleepovers, none of that shit. And, you know, I don't care if you're my best friend. I'm always have that, 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 that red flag's always in the back of my mind. So with your motivation behind this film, um, obviously the mental illness side without giving away any spoilers to the, to the film, but you know, for me, man, before I do all my pods, I have a, I have a binder and, um, you know, when I had gone through my stuff, I'd fucking ruined so many people's not lives, but like, I just let so many people down. I was a lion piece of shit. I had all these things. So like one day before this all started, I printed out all these text messages. I could find of me t- saying, you know, lion or just doing the wrong thing, you know? Mm-hmm. And I put them in a binder and, uh, I, I, you know, I, I tap on it every time before a podcast because I try to remember why we're here. Yeah, okay. And I did this whole trip, and I met, like, a lot of, like, hardcore famous people and all these cool things. But you, when you said, you're like, yeah, like, I could talk, I, like, kind of knew where this was heading. I was more excited for that because yeah. Yeah. that's the part of this podcast that's so special. And it's a lot of our listeners that we have, too, is, like, yeah. people that struggle super, super hard with depression. People that have been through things. People that are real comfortable with rock bottom, yeah. you know. And so, like, I just want you to really dive into um, how much that was portrayed into your movie and then um was there ever a line that you maybe were like all right maybe that's too far no nothing's ever too far um depression's a motherfucker um i I, you know it's hard you know people everyone's struggling with something i don't want to come off as you know woe is me i never did that to anybody i you know and i always that's why I i internalize everything um but for me, internalizing things, I, you, you can release a lot of that with me personally by, by writing. Um, 
and maybe laying it on on a character and that character was our lead leading uh leading actor um Vivian Ashwood and and she's just such a, a sick woman and she's traumatic she has traumatic things that happened to her um a death uh, of a dear close family member and you know the the medication the mental illness the 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 roller coaster uh ride the 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 lucid visions that she sees throughout the film and and um it's it's a sad story man i didn't want something happy um I didn't want a resolution. One guy said that you should have had her do this at the end. I said, well, if that happened, that would be a resolution. I don't want a resolution. I want pain and suffering, and I want that cycle. You know that. That's um, epic because yeah. in real life, yeah. that's real. That's that's authentic and that's real, um, which is sad. Um, you know, I've seen so many therapists in my life, and I'm like, they can't, <laughs> me too, they bro. Can't, they, I'm done seeing therapists because they can't cure me. Um, you know, the best part of of my sickness or whatever you want to call it is just I, I talk, I talk it out with my wife, and that's a and you know, I don't want to put the burden on her, but she seems to welcome that, um, and I usually feel good. Even this past week, I had a breakdown, and she talked me through it. Um, and we were great ever since. I mean, she, How, said, she said something. Sorry, I didn't want to. No, go ahead, go ahead. She said something to me that fucking hit me really hard when she got here. We had a, I had a breakdown, um, depression, and she just said something to me. She goes, she goes, you don't love yourself. She never said that to me before, and that fucking hit home. Um, she just said, you don't love yourself, and you know, and she's right. Like until you can love yourself, until you can fix yourself, until you can feel good about yourself there's no hope in, in trying to um help anyone else or trying to do this or that or mask anything because that that is what i took and the past four days here with her were, were incredible um so i'm gonna i'm gonna work on that moving forward she's actually calling me right now Hi, Call, answer it no no it's fine i think that when you love yourself because i struggle with that still because um, i don't know what's doing the right thing all the time yeah you know, and then when I start to get that feeling that things are like going well, I start to get like worried that, you know, why are they going well? You know, that's the last thing that I want to deal with usually. Um, but I think I get more freaked out with, I just don't understand for me, there's no, there's no comfort in just being okay. I just don't get that. I don't understand it. I don't feel it. And so I think, like, when you say, like, oh, like, you don't love yourself, or yeah. I don't know what it's like to maybe love myself, it's like, man, dude, I feel that so hard because I don't either. Yeah. I have no idea. And yeah. the other side of it, too, is, like, at what point do you love yourself, you know? Like, at yeah. what point are you like, oh, yeah, everything's good, like, right. you know? And I, and that's, for me, where I get freaked out with the whole entire thing. But um, I'm <clears> – <throat> and you can take it or leave it. I think my piece of advice that I'd give you, and this is like what really helped me love myself, is, um, you know, I think like my biggest thing is I always used to hate like people judging me and I always wanted things to look better than they were, you know, and I don't know why I, I always, you know, like I would strive for that. You know, I want people to like acknowledge me. I'm like an attention whore. That makes sense, right? Um, but for me now, being able to sit and do this podcast this is what makes me happy this is my safe space so to fix myself and to love myself more 
I think really what I did was is just indulged in more hobbies that I truly enjoy okay. and things that I enjoy. Yeah. Um, and then another big thing is giving yourself things to look forward to. Um, but with that being said, yeah. rock bottom is also still my most comfortable space. But do you, do you love yourself? Not yet. Okay. Not to the point where I want to. Yeah. You know, and, and I think that's why I'm still single right now yeah. is because I just feel like I just wouldn't give them 110. I, that's, I hear you on that, um, you know. That's, and that's probably why you feel the way you feel about, like, man, she's f- so yeah. much better. And I felt the same way about my ex. It was just, God bless her soul, just a, a fucking beautiful human being. Yeah. And I was just the biggest piece of shit you could ever meet in your life. And it's crazy. And it's not, yeah. And, and so now it's like I look back and I'm like, well, I hopefully will meet somebody like that again. Yeah. But and you I, may you may not. You and know, I may that's, not. That's just the the sad truth. Um. And I I, I hope you do. Um. I you know it's it's funny you say it. I hope I do, but at the same time I I kind of know I know, never will. You know what the funniest thing is like you could have the number one podcast. Mm-hmm. I could picture you having the number one podcast in the fucking world, and you'd still be tortured. Yeah. That's fucked up. If I ever win the Academy Award for Best Picture. I don't think I'll be. I don't think it's gonna matter. That's not what you're. That's not that's it. A, that's the fucked up part about it. What then? What's the problem? Where's your root? Where's your root of problems coming from? Um, and I don't feel like satisfaction. Accomplishing things steers me away. I, I I don't get it, and that's scary. I don't want to feel like this. I don't want to feel like I'm at rock bottom, and. But I, I gravitate towards that, and I need to fix that because that's not a, a healthy way of living. Um, it just sucks. Fucking sucks, man. No, it does, and it sucks, and it sucks more. <clears throat> pe- pe- a lot of people that are listening will probably resonate with this. When you don't want to wake up in the morning, when you don't want to move, when you don't want to do anything, you don't even want to be in that bed. You don't want any of it. That's when I think I realized I was like, man, this is this is just bad, right? When you're walking down the street with your family and you're just like, I'd be rather be anywhere else, but I don't have an answer of to where that is, you know? And you're like, um, like you said, you could have the number one podcast in the world, and it's like, I know that won't fulfill me. It's sick. I, I know it won't. I know. I um, I, I tell, I joke with my wife. I go, if I ever won the Academy Award, I walk in up to accept my acceptance speech. I would. <laughs> probably get about 300 million views but i would take my academy award and smash it in front of everybody because it doesn't mean shit and say this doesn't mean anything to me and and that's kind of how i feel and i'm fucking stupid enough to do something like that but no (laughs) it would be a a great but i love it and like that's for me like i almost feel like nowadays and maybe maybe you can resonate with this or apply this to something for you for me the biggest fuck you is proving the people right that believed in me because I felt like I burned them, you yeah, know, like I don't really care about all these people. Like if you don't like my podcast or you don't, you know, resonate with any of this stuff, I mean, that's fine, man. But I had a lot of people that believed in me that burned. And so that's my, that's what drives me every day is like, I want to do right by these people. I want to do right by my son. So if you, you know, if you, get redemption from these people you'll feel in a better place you feel you know what i don't think i'll i I will never be able to get that yeah that redemption i'll never be able to have that conversation again yeah um and in the weirdest way i hope i never do because it like keeps driving me and then in another way it's like all i crave all day every day right it's like everything i want in the world is like to just a 
have that conversation and to give that person a hug and to be around them again. And it's just like, I, I know it'll never happen. And then to, to hear them say like, Hey, you're doing well. Or like, I'm really glad that you fish yourself. Like I like would do fucking anything for that, bro. But like, let's like the, the harsh reality of it is, is like, I fucked it up so bad that there's no way. Yeah. You know? So, and then that's the way I reason with it. Everybody's like, well, never say never. It's like, no man. Like, the only way I can reason with it and move on with my days is by assuming that it'll never happen. I hear you. That's good. I mean, yeah, I hear what you're saying. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah, I mean, it's wild. So, like, kids are obviously the best part. Is that your favorite job, being a dad? Love it. I love those three, man. They're, they're the best. It's the best thing that's ever. It keeps me grounded. It keeps me in check. But um, when you're in that space, it's not depressing. It's that- not depressing, but there's times where you know, I'll kind of be catatonic on the couch and be in my own world. Um, I try not to do that around them. Um, you know, it, but there's times where, where I don't give it everything I can, but I, overall, I think I'm, uh, I'm a great father. Um, you know, and they, they have such a great upbringing and that's like, that was my main goal. Um, you know, doing what I didn't feel like I experienced, um, growing up. So it's, but I, I give a lot of credit to my, to my wife jamie she fucking super mom you know what do you do to instill what what kinds of things do you do for your kids to instill things in them that for you were just like hey chris go figure this out for yourself bro yeah, i mean i you never know? i never gave a you know there's never any love within my, in my house as far as like giving a kiss and a hug um you know especially my dad and i we, we there's a lot of love in our house and we talk about things. We don't fester things. Any issues they have, they we, we talk it out with each and every one of them. Um, so just the communication lines in our house are so open um, where you know, they have people that are truly there for them and support them. And they, you know, again, my wife has just killed it with, with that. And I try to do the best I can with them as well. And, and I think we, we're doing a good job. Um, but... I'd say that's the most important thing in my life is not the movies is making sure these three are, are okay when they, when they get out of the house, you know, what I've noticed for me is like presence is everything. Yeah. A hundred percent. You know, yeah. like for me, like daddy can come out here and meet all these cool people and these yeah. famous people and these celebrities and stuff. But like he, he'll, he'll choose playing basketball or playing catch with me every fucking day of the week over seeing a cool picture of me or seeing me on YouTube. 100%. And like, for me, that's where it resonates with me is when I like have to, when I get to go home, I'm excited yeah. and I'm a single dad. And, um, I think it's just fun to be able to go home to that. Cause even when I do get to occupy that space, um, I end up, man, I, I'm able to lose myself for a few minutes. Well, and what, cool. I, what I appreciate about people like you though, is you make these movies and you put real thought into it, real heart into it, real life into it, okay? And then for that hour, hour and 20 minutes, however long your film is, everybody in that theater, everybody watching that movie gets to escape. Yeah. They get to escape all their problems, their bills, the you know, the, re- the realities of what they're dealing with in their life. And that's what I love about the creative minds in this industry is because for me – I don't think I could have gotten through or can continue to get through what I'm dealing with without that. Yeah. Right. Definitely. Or like without these kinds of conversations. And, yeah. um, I, I knew this was going to be a good one. Cause I was like, you know, that's just crazy 
to me and I got to ask like what, what age were you, um, you know how like parents think you're dumb and they like think you don't know what's going on. Do you remember the first time like your dad said something to you or did something? Maybe it was that time when you guys went, ended up at Caesar's palace versus Disneyland, but that really, really, really resonates with me. Um, and you're like, I know what's going on here. Later on, later on. Um, I was, uh, I think I would have turned out really well. I was a good fucking kid. Um, me and my brother, um, things started going bad. I think when, um, you know, before I was six, when we, we all got together, all four of us, I think that's when things took a turn. Um, before then I lived with my grandmother, um, and my mother. Uh, and I remember things were, were much different. And I think when we all got together in that, that house for me personally, I don't know, I'm sure they probably see things differently. Um, that's when I started getting angry and changing, um, just becoming a different person um how old were you uh, six when we moved in all together um when the yelling and all that because before that i don't think that was my, yeah that, ne that never i don't have any bad memories before that um it just got really hard it got really hard it got violent it got uh, a lot of verbal mental physical abuse um in that house growing up i mean there's obviously good times too and again i don't have any anxiety or anger towards my my stepfather anymore i i think taking on the burden of raising four kids with little money um was very challenging for him and that's something he didn't have to do um but he did for my mom so i always have that soft spot in the back of my 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 head but i mean there's times where you know you get beat with a belt you 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 get verbally screamed at you get you hit and it wasn't it wasn't pleasant and then you throw in the sexual things that happened um you know with me and another human being um not my stepfather uh you know that's uh that took a big fucked up toll on me and i think i it molded me into something i'm not and what's great about my my wife and my kids is i gravitated towards the good of me you know instead of that anger that anger is like so strong and that rage um is really really fucking powerful and and scary uh to be around it's a uh, you know so you have anger problems because i do i don't have anger problems i have um my wife calmed me down. I, you know, yeah. If I if I flip a switch, it's it's not it's not pretty. Um, it doesn't happen much, but yeah, I kind of keep that shielded. Um, but when before I met my wife, I had some anger things and got into fights and and with other people and things like that. And she kind of changed my perception on life. I don't know where I'd be if I didn't meet her. I, I'm not sure. It w I don't think it would be in a good place. Um, but it's fucking the world's tough, man. I mean, just try to be around the right people, you know, try to surround yourself with good people. And I think good things will happen. Um, it's weird because I never I never did any hard drugs or anything. I was never I was around that whole scene. I never tried cocaine. I never tried mushrooms even. Um, so, you know, that's good. I mean, that's a good space that you're not going into because I can tell you from personal experience that like you can easily mask everything and say hey listen like i'm fine guys let me show you how great i am when i'm doing coke all the time yeah right like because i could 
Trust me. And guess what? You'd be like, this guy's a fucking asshole. Yeah, no, I never got into that whole scene. My dad was into that the yeah, shit he did as a kid and the heroin and all that bullshit. And then my when my brother passed away from heroin overdose or whatever he was on in this system, I don't know what then. He's a fucking big giant mess. It is. I've had a ton of friends so OD. Everybody again. I know OD'd and died. One of my best friends, Jerry Chiazzo, passed away. Uh, another OD. Uh, same shit. Heroin. Um, it's a fucking nightmare. I don't know why I see. I see the pain that these people are dealing with. You know, you think I'm bad, but I mean, these people must be dealing with some pretty bad fucking demons. Um, and I feel really, really bad because I've lost a lot of people to, to drug addiction. Uh, it's a fucking such a mess. It's really hard. It's scary, it's man. Because I deal with. That's what I get a lot of too. Is I've had a lot of like my buddies and my friends just from um, high school over the years. Um, I think like you know we recently had um, Kyle McKenna was his name and uh, Pat Kilbane and I love both those guys. They were not like best friends of mine by any means, but they're those guys. You know, you, you know, like I, I would call them friends. I would call them more than acquaintances. Definitely friends. But um, you would see them. You know, after high school, every couple of years or whatever, those people that you, you just love and you care about, you know, and, um, yeah, they both OD'd and died. And we've had tons of, tons of that in the Cleveland area. You never know who's, who's doing it either. And I think the problem is the, your expectations are set so high, you know, and people search for that release and that, you know, and I think depression's a big fucking problem in this world. I mean, the opiate addiction now is, is it's fucking catastrophic, um, it's just it's sad man people are are really fucking struggling in this world um but what can you do you know what do you do nowadays when you get real down like what are you doing to maybe combat that a little bit i don't i go in my room and i sit there and fucking get just heavy just i mean things that help me is making sure i jog take a jog making sure i was gonna ask you do you work out i I run every once in a while i should run a lot more but um I'll, i'll if i go for a run i feel good um, it kills anxiety it's like it's yeah, it, it, yeah. it mean for me at least yeah man like when my fat ass goes for a run i feel great i feel bro. great i feel um, great dude you know um i you know being around my kids and and just um I don't know, making this movie was was a big thing that i got off the checklist of you know what i want to accomplish before i before i go you know so doing bb was a big accomplishment i'm very very proud of proud of doing it there's so many times where i thought it was gonna not go through and we we actually made it which is like fucking awesome it's amazing what was that feeling like when you knew it was gonna go through you you figured out we're going to film festivals you figured out you're gonna be able to shoot this you know all those things what's that like amazing amazing feeling i mean because there's so many roadblocks we had we had covid we had um your leading actress backing out you had funding that fell through um which is when i had to put out my money um you know, making sure you know you can even put the film together. You might make a movie and you have shitty actors in it, and you didn't realize because when you they were reading it, things felt right. But then the acting has to come through, the cinematography has to come through, the music. I mean, our composer reached out to me. I don't even know where I found him. He did all the the um, Maze Runner movies. He's on Disney. He's on. He fell in love with the script. So I had a lot of things that fell into place but i mean i can't imagine for people trying to put a film together it's it's such a challenging daunting task um so i'm very you know blessed that 
we're standing where we're standing and, and everything did go through and we have a film to show that I'm proud of and it's getting into the festival circuit now and who knows what's going to happen um, but it's it's not easy making an independent film so I give anyone out there um, thinking about it uh, a lot of credit especially at this budget range I mean when you get into the million dollar range I mean you're talking serious money um, and, and you know independent film at that budget range there's no guarantee you're going to you're gonna sell your movie. You might get distribution, but distribution means dick. You know, I had five distribution deals I already turned down because there wasn't enough money up front, and these big time companies, which I'm not gonna name, are acquiring 30 films a, a month, and only one's gonna make it. And that's the fucking truth. I'm I'm sitting on these panels here. I feel bad for a lot of these filmmakers. They, they don't know the the harsh fucking reality of this business. This business is cutthroat. If you don't have a fucking great story, you're dead in the water. Then you need things to happen for you. Then you need an A-list actor's great, but it's a fucking catch twenty-two. There, no offense, they're not going to read your your script um, because they're getting thrown forty scripts from studios. Why would they do yours? Um, that's the fucking sad truth and you could bring up movies like Pulp Fiction and all that but yeah you know it's, I don't hate to be a downer on this but yeah there's one Pulp Fiction to every 250,000 films that will so never see the light that. of fucking day and then there might be films at Pulp Fiction where there's only they're really fucking good but they'll never see the light of day so a lot of things have to go so what I'm trying to say is don't make films to think you're going to be on the red carpet in Hollywood and you know, selling your movie for three million dollars. Uh, do the do these movies because you love them from your heart, and if you can accept that, it doesn't matter. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, everything else after the fact just makes sweetens the deal. Matter. I mean, you don't do it for the wrong reasons because it's a fucking tough ass business, man. Tough. Well, and I think a lot of what you do too, I'm sure, because you have actors and actresses and crew and producers that are super excited and stuff. So I'm sure there's definitely times where you're like putting on the face of like, yeah, this is all great and stuff like that. But the reality of it is, is there's gotta be times when you're going home going, fuck dude, like how are we going to do this? How are we going to change this? You know, I'm always, I'm always negative on the, on it. I have to be because you know, I am the producer on this. I'm the head producer with the money behind it. And I'm always making sure like, I don't have any, you know, as, as good as our fucking movie is, and we might win this festival tomorrow, and we might, we're in Cinequest, which is a big fucking festival. We just got into Richmond, a big fucking festival. Um, waiting on Toronto. We got in Toronto, big fucking festival. But, you know, go look at how many films at Sundance didn't get picked up and making money, and there's your answer right there. So you can have the best fucking movie. It's still it's still a tough business. My goal out of this is to get back what we put in, and if we don't, I'll get something, someone to notice what I did, and move on from there and work off of that. And that's you know that's why I'm here. And I hope these two actresses outside, Elizabeth Page and Judith Andamini, get the recognition they deserve because they're fucking amazing. I'm like super pumped that you guys were down to come over here and do individuals because for me it means more to be able to sit down with you guys on like a personal basis and be able to just kind of chat and see where you're at. And I can't tell you how much I'm like, how happy I am that I got to sit with you because I am right there with you. Uh, I know. You know, I feel, I feel it. Yeah. And I felt that the other night we were talking, I was like, yeah, this is the one. And I told Mark, I was like, because, um, 
when you go through things, <clears throat> you know, people can do drugs, alcohol, things like that. I'm a naturally depressed person, though. You know, it all happens all naturally. Unfortunately, yeah. I'm in the same boat as you. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm working I'm working really hard. Have you ever done, that. if you don't mind me asking me, edit whatever, have you tried medication at all? No, I've never, I've never taken any medication. I think you should try it. I've never tried it. I'm not on any right now. And the only reason I say that is because yeah. I've, tr so I've tried it. Yeah. I loved it. What I hated about it is I felt like my creative side went away. Yeah, you got numb to it. But what I loved about it is that I felt way better. And it wasn't like a placebo feel better. It was like a thing. And then eventually I was like, well, I'd rather be depressed and creative. And that's that's where I came into play with it, yeah. you know? And so I always tell people, I'm like, you know, at whatever anybody decides to do, especially you, man, I will support and back you 100% because I love that. I love that you came here and just chopped it up with me. Yeah. But I think it's also like it's important to take care of yourself and it's important to everybody else listening here that they're taking care of themselves um, and doing the right thing. And um, I just – I got two more things for you. One, what do you want everybody to know about BB, um, uh, your film? And then, um, um, yeah, what do you want everybody to know about BB? I'll keep it general. I mean, I, I'm, I'm tired of watching films on TV now and things being released by Netflix and – I mean, this was like a big motivation for me to make this film in the first place. I'm just tired of the shit that's on fucking TV. I'm like, it's just a lot of garbage. And I hate to say that because but nothing really moves me anymore. So I, I, I'm a big Kubrick fan. I love those atmospheric, beautiful films where you can lose yourself in it. And it, old school cinema, those great, great actors and directors. And that's what I wanted to bring back in this um, on an independent budget and I, I hope I achieve that and maybe old school cinema's dead but um, that those are the movies I, I gravitate towards and, and I, I hope there's a there's a, a group of people out there that will, will appreciate what, what we've done with this and, and uh, yeah, that's that's all that's all I can ask for I just want to bring something different something original and something you know that used to be old school Hollywood back to where we're at now you have this crazy passion and I like love everything that you're talking about and how you incorporated it and how it affects you and stuff like that. And everybody here, I can promise you will appreciate you opening up because you just talked about a lot of things yeah. that all of us are dealing with. Um, I left a lot of things out. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's what we always, well, so we, we always try to leave more for later though. Yeah, and that's yeah. the, cause I always do follow ups too, yeah. you know? So, um, I love doing that. And then I finish always, you know, my question, but I'm going to ask you again. I already know your answer, but I'm still going to ask you again. Okay. On a scale of one to 10, how happy would you consider yourself to be? And if you're not a 10, what do you think you get yourself to do to be closer to a 10? I mean, you guys laughed at me last time when I said this. Um, but a, it's accurate, dude. And I'm, I love that. I'm a, I'm a one. Um, this is what it is, man. I, I feel like I'm a damaged soul, unfortunately. Um, my wife's a 10 <laughs> so i just want to try to maybe meet her halfway and, and work with her she's um you know she sees life differently and um I'll, i i think i can get there honestly i do i just gotta i gotta put the work in it's 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 hard um my life is not all that miserable i mean when i'm with my family and my kids and things are things go good and i, I should be very grateful and fortunate for what i have um, because I have a lot and a lot to live for. Um, and I do, 
I do know that there there's hope for me and there's probably hope for a lot of you out there listening to this um, you know it just it takes work and it comes from from inside you and love yourself that's all I could tell you and that's what I, you know, I'm trying to do is to love yourself and believe in yourself and find out like you mentioned do things that that you love doing um, I'm not saying go make an independent film but if there's something you want to do in life I mean I mean if there's you're 30 years old right now what do you got 50 years left fucking do it do it what, what are you waiting for don't get caught in that grind and that wheel um, and that's something I can test to saying that I, I don't have any regrets on things that I want to do in life I, I'm going to do each one of those and I've done that in my life and everything I put my, my mind into you know, especially in the film business um, I, I, I think I've achieved uh, so that's all that's all I'll say and if you're doing things you love yeah you know, well there's not much more you can ask for and just be a good person I mean, that's one thing I, I will say that I am as a good fucking person um, with a big heart so yeah I love that. I love and we're, you need I need I need you to clip that last piece what he just talked about just go fucking do it. Oh. I feel that. Yeah. Uh, that I, I love that. I love that so much. Yeah. And um I appreciate you coming on number 1 and then number 2 if you if there's anything I could ever do for you. Yeah. Please let me know. Yeah. Anything. Yeah. You want to yeah. call me and yeah. bitch and moan about your horrible day, let your boy know. I will. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Seriously. I appreciate it. Thank you. Seriously. Seriously. Um that was fucking amazing.